It's so catchy. It's going to be living in my head for the next three weeks. I want a trap remix of The Wicked Witch is Dead. Like, ding dong. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where bad witches are hot too. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week, folks, we are covering the 1939 timeless MGM classic, The Wizard of Oz. And folks, we really are over the rainbow today. Happy Pride Month! As always, we're going to be covering movies that are at least tangentially related to queer culture. There's something queer in it. There's something queer that really contributes. Or there's something queer that we associate it with. Exactly. It's going to be a really gay summer. Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, practice the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, guys. We want everyone to come and join our little watch party. I'm loving all the engagement we're getting lately on social media, folks. Thank you so much. (laughs) But please keep it up. We love hearing from you folks. All right, you ready to fly? (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry. I guess the question is, are you ready to spin? Yes. <laughs> round and round in a cyclone. Oh, my goodness. Hold on to your butts. Many, many miles east of nowhere lies the amazing land of Oz, a magnificent empire created in the mind of a man who wrote a great book about it. Like wildfire in the wheat field, the fabulous tale of the Wizard of Oz spread from town to city to nation to the entire world. Although the Wizard of Oz has captivated the children of four generations and fired the imaginations of those youthful adults who have never grown old, although 10 million copies of the book have reached eager hands and eager hearts, no one has dared the towering task of giving life and reality to the land of Oz and its people. Every delightful character of L. Frank Baum's classic is now reborn. Every glorious adventure has been recaptured and painted with a rainbow. The celebration in Munchkinland, the flying monkeys, the rescue of Dorothy, the castle of the witch, the palace of Oz, and Dorothy's strange journey to the Emerald City to find the wonderful Wizard of Oz himself. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. We hear he is the wizard of wiz, if ever a wiz there was. If ever a weather a wiz there was, the wizard of Oz is one because, 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 because of the wonderful things he does. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. Okay, folks, so if you're a kicking and streaming listener, you know that we usually don't do things that came out before 1980, but we, I say we, Carrie Ann allowed us to break the rules (laughs) because, uh, listen, I'm obsessed 
with Judy Garland. And Absolutely. I'm obsessed with everything that Judy Garland is and uh, what she meant to people and especially what she meant to the, you know, alphabet mafia. Absolutely. What, what she meant to LGBT in general. She is the reason why the queer symbol is the rainbow. Somewhere over the rainbow. And guys, we got a lot to unpack today. I promise we won't keep you here too long, but <laughs> we really wanted to kick something off we really wanted to kick this month off with something uh, very foundational. And it's not only got its foundations in the queer movement, but in so many other walks of life. Yeah. It is the most viewed film of all time. So we probably won't be talking out the whole thing today. Oh, no, we're not hand-holding on the narrative today. <laughs> you guys have seen it. Y'all have seen it. I know you have, whether it was at your grandma's on the weekends or if it was in history class. You've seen this movie. Yeah. Okay, guys, so by 1939, Wizard of Oz was like almost 40 years old. L. Frank Baum uh, published the original book in 1900. And some of you might not know, this is not the only tale of The Wizard of Oz. Like, there were other books. We just don't hear about those. And The Wizard of Oz has turned into this, you know, multimedia franchise almost. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, we have so many films about it. You know, we have the acclaimed... You know, novel and stage musical Wicked, which has greatly expanded upon the universe. Absolutely. And there's that horrible James Franco prequel. So there was this guy. His name's Mervyn Leroy. And he was an up and coming young hotshot producer in good old Hollywood in the 1930s at Metro Goldwyn Mayer. The one project that Mervyn Leroy constantly floated was The Wizard of Oz. You know, he, of course, he was read all the books as a kid. You know, he's a fan. Yeah. <laughs> he was a big fan. And he, I mean, I'm sure he had, you know, the 1925 version to go off of. And I think he just really wanted to create um, something more magical. Like, like literally one of the first big instances of really bringing a fantasy project like that to life. They had like something like 16 different writers and three, four, five different directors. No, yeah. Can we talk about the game of musical chairs that involved all of the directors? I'd like to focus on a central director here, and that's Victor Fleming. Victor Fleming, at the same time, directed The Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind. <gasps> Oh my god. He directed both of those monumental pictures. That is a coronary waiting to happen. I'm pretty sure Gone with the Wind came out first in like the springtime and then close to your birthday actually in <laughs> August 1939 when The Wizard of Oz was released in theaters. Cool. Yeah. I think the thing that really makes this movie what it is I know you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> it's the music. I mean, hey, this score is catchy. And I mean, we really have to credit Harold Arlen, Yip Harburg, and Herbert Stothart for this. Uh, one of the first films to Technicolor, obviously. I've seen the camera. Yeah? I've seen. You've been, you went to the Smithsonian and saw it. Yep, I saw the camera, I saw the ruby slippers, uh -huh. I saw all the costumes. You know this film is on the National Film Registry, baby. Uh-huh. It's in the Smithsonian. <laughs> right next to Archie Bunker's chair. And all the original Muppet puppets. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. You might have guessed it. We have names. <laughs> and I guarantee you, you're only going to know one of them. Bear with me here. <laughs> Once upon a time in Minnesota, <laughs> a marriage was falling apart. Oh, no. And they decided, you know what will save us? A baby. A baby. <laughs> He's gay and I'm upset, but like, we're going to have a baby. Oh, man. And Frances Ethelgum was born. You folks might know her better as Judy Garland. Ugh. 
Judy Garland ranks supreme in old Hollywood starlets. There has never been a star that has burned so bright. I know. Like, it just the appeal of Judy Garland, no matter who you are. It's like Princess Diana energy. Yeah. Like, she can look into your soul and just understand you. She's just so universally loved. I, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, she had a horrible life. She did. She, you know, she had immense privilege, but... When you're a drug addict by the time you're 13? Because the adults around you don't take care of you? They called her Little Miss Leatherlungs. Oh my gosh. She and her three sisters formed the Gum Sisters Vaudevillian Act, and her mother would schlep them around the Great Lakes, just performing in picture houses all over. Ethel Gum, the first stage mother, everybody. The first quintessential stage mother. The Dina Lohan of her time. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> she. Oh my God. One thing, you know, she noticed is that her daughters would um, be tired and um, upset because they can't be children. So what she did was <clears throat> got doctors to give her children speed. Oh no. And it got even worse when they moved to California because Judy started working at MGM and then it was studio doctors giving her the speed. Oh, no. Pills to wake her up. Pills to make her sleep. Judy never had a chance. They treated her like like a prized running horse. The fact that Judy Garland was such a construct, but the fact that her performance abilities, even at that young age, were immense. People would listen to her on the radio and go, that sounds like a 35-year-old woman. You know what song like just kind of always makes me sob because it makes me so happy? Is it Zing with the Strings of My Heart from 1936? Yes! I still recall the thrill I guess I always will I hope we'll never depart I knew I loved you heaps And you were mine for keeps Zing with the Strings She was 13. Oh my God. And she already sounds like this full-throated, heavily seasoned singer. And then we have Frank Morgan. Frank Morgan plays the title role. He's the Tom Hanks of this movie. He is literally Tom Hanks in Polar Express in this movie. He's He plays five different characters. Kind of, you know, a good luck charm to them. They went through so many different accredited MGM contractees for this role. And Frank just was kind of at the bottom of the list. Yeah. But... I can't imagine it being any other way. Well, I mean, I don't know who all was on that list, but I imagine it was some very big names who took themselves entirely too seriously for this. We have Ray Bolger. By this time in Ray Bolger's career, he had been a vacuum salesman, an accountant, and now he's dancing in the pictures. Yeah! He's also a very famous vaudevillian. I, I love Ray Bolger. I wish I could be friends with Ray Bolger. <laughs> you, when we were watching this movie, you leaned over and went, I find him incredibly cute. He is cute. He is. He is. Like, I mean, out of the Scarecrow getup, he's extremely cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, he also was not originally supposed to play the Scarecrow. He was going to play the Tin Man, but he really just believed that he was the only person that could do this part correctly, and he was right. I loved the thought of being the Scarecrow, and I could not imagine anybody else playing the part. And I could do all the kinds of steps that I wanted to do. And it was something else. 
don't know, I had a feeling if I could play this part, it would make a star out of me. I mean, honestly, you want to take a man with, like, reflexes and knees like that and put him in a costume where he's not supposed to bend? The movements this man can make. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm stunned. <laughs> I'm stunned. We love you, Ray. Going into the Tin Man, we have Jack Haley. <laughs> Jack Haley and Judy Garland worked together before in Pigskin Parade, another favorite of mine. Yes. Which is just about some bumpkins going to play in a football championship. <laughs> Lisa Minnelli was married to Jack Haley Jr. Oh, Their kids got married. That's so friggin' cute. Isn't that fun? Originally playing the role of Tin Man in the original casting is oh, Buddy Ebsen. This story. You've probably heard of Buddy Ebsen, also a very famous vaudevillian. Had performed with Judy Garland before. He's the star of the Beverly Hillbillies. Hello, allergic to aluminum. Oh my god. So most of you have probably heard this story, because it's a very famous one, where they began makeup tests for Buddy Ebsen as the Tin Man, and they put the aluminum makeup on him and the dust from the makeup got in his lungs and ruined his life. And yeah, just he couldn't breathe anymore. And like, so they had to cast Jack Haley instead. But the shitty thing is that after they cast Jack Haley, they quietly changed out the aluminum powder for aluminum paste, which would not have been an issue. Don't say MGM never tried to repeat a performance. For crying out loud. And then we have Burt Lahr. <laughs> Burt Lahr is a crazy-ass comedian. <laughs> also a famous vaudevillian. Lots of vaudevillians up in here. Well, I mean, vaudeville was dying out. They needed some work. Exactly. All the, that, that's where all the vaudevillians went. They went from vaudeville to Hollywood. Also a burlesque performer. Yeah. Burt Lahr. Tell us about it, honey. <laughs> Show me how you burlesque. <laughs> we also have Billy Burke. The toast of 19-teens Broadway. Did you see how I stiffened up just now when uh, you said her name? Billy Burke is a fucking goddess. Billy Burke is Glinda, the good witch of the North. <laughs> Billy had been working on stages since like 1880, whatever the hell. Yeah. She is an old vaudevillian hand. She's 50-something at the time of this filming. She's 50 in this movie? I think she was born in 1880. <gasps> Two or three or four, somewhere in there. And yeah, yeah. Wow. And she's um, she's a 50-some-odd-year-old woman. She looks fabulous. She had garnered much acclaim on Broadway just before this. I think when they were doing the casting, they said, listen, there's only certain performances that stage actors can give. Yeah. Who's hot on Broadway right now? And they looked at Billy and said, that's our Hitler. Stop. <laughs> no. No, absolutely not. <laughs> We have Margaret Hamilton, who's my favorite. Yeah, she's easily your favorite thing about this movie. Margaret Hamilton playing the Wicked Witch of the West, a former kindergarten teacher <laughs> who just kind of took up character acting for some extra cash. She was a single mother. Yeah. She'd only done about like five or six pictures for MGM mm -hmm. at that time. Yeah. They were screen testing a, a hottie named uh, Gail Sundergaard for the role of the Wicked Witch. Oh. And when they put the makeup on her, they literally looked at her and went, you're just too hot. No. It's coming through. Yeah. We, like, saw, we saw her picture in that documentary, and I went, oh, no. And Like, the, she's a hottie with a body, but that is never going to work. I don't like the idea of them casting Margaret Hamilton because she's uglier than Gail Sundergaard. Those were the words I was looking for, yes. Margaret Hamilton's a beautiful woman. She absolutely was. Like, who can do that laugh like Margaret Hamilton? I know! Like, it's classic. <laughs> Like, you know, you know what that is if you hear it. 
You absolutely need to. I'll get you, my pretty. And your little dog, too. Putting the, putting the anxiety in all of us from a young age. <laughs> Two other honorable mentions. I won't spend long. Charlie Grapewin and Clara Blandick. They are Uncle Henry and Auntie M. Right. And they are all, guess what? They're famous vaudevillians. <laughs> I'm shocked. Both of which had worked with Billy Burke in like the 1900s. I, I can't imagine that the vaudevillian network was extremely vast. I know. But like, <laughs> I mean, it was coast to coast, baby. Vaudeville was hot. It was the disco so, of its time. No, I wouldn't say. <laughs> and let me guess. Let me guess what your other honorable mention is. May I? It's Terry the dog, isn't it? It's Terry the dog. <laughs> Listen, Terry Terry the dog had a great film career. <laughs> she sure did. Like she did great. And I love I love the story about Judy Garland getting so close to the dog that she wanted to adopt it when filming was over. Yeah. But the owner was like, "No, this thing's making me money." <laughs> One of the hardest roles to cast apparently was Toto. But anyway, okay. You ready to get into this content? I mean, we better. It's been half an hour. I love this credit sequence. I remember just popping in this tape as a kid and just letting this play, and then the first five minutes were just heaven. Just watching the clouds go by. And that music, man. It's the, ugh, no one quite does it like the MGM orchestra. Like I said before, this is the most beloved film of all time. We're going to fly through this. Yeah. You've seen it. We're not hand-holding you this week, folks. But real quick, there's this lovely text before the film starts after the credits, and it says, For nearly 40 years, this story has given faithful service to the young at heart, and time has been powerless to put its kindly philosophy out of fashion. To those of you who have been faithful to it in return, and to the young at heart, we dedicate this picture. That's so sweet. Isn't it? Like, who wrote that? That's beautiful. Like, the sentiment is so adorable, but I also feel like there's a subtextual threat. Like, I fucking dare you to try and remake this. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right? And they have it. It's been over 80 years. (laughs) Like, these days we get remakes five years after the original comes out. (laughs) And it's been, like, close to a century, and no one's tried this. Exactly. We begin famously in Kansas in the early 1900s on the Gale family. Family farm. Talk about being dirt poor. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Hank and M, uh, they, uh, have a little, uh, farm. They do, uh, horses. They do chickens. There's piggies. There's, yeah. They, they're just, you know, trying to survive. And, <laughs> yeah, for real. In, in the Dust Bowl era, please. Dorothy is, uh, running home. This is Dorothy Gale. She's how old? She's in the book. I think she's, ele- like, 10, 11. 12. Yeah. Okay, Judy. She's running home with her dog, Toto. Toto's just gotten into some trouble. Yeah. He bit Almira Gulch. The neighbor lady. She owns the entire county, Almira Gulch. She might as well be the law. You'd think. Aunt Em and Hank are in a they're Uncle in a jam. Henry. His name's Uncle Henry. Aunt Em and Uncle Henry are in a jam. One of their incubators is broke. They're trying to save baby chicks right now. They don't have time for Dorothy and her mess. They don't have time for her. It makes me feel, it makes me wonder what happened to Dorothy's parents. The thing is, I know they really love her, but they are just literally, they're in survival mode. Yeah. So they're like, no one's paying attention to her. And, you know, it sucks, but it's the way that it was. Oh, but Aunt Em, Miss Gulch hit Toto right over the back with a rake just because she says he gets in her garden and chases her nasty old cat. 
every day. Seventy. Dorothy, please. Oh, but he doesn't do it every day. Just once or twice a week. And he can't catch her old cat anyway. And now she says she's going to get the Dorothy, sheriff. Dorothy, Dorothy, we're busy. She's trying to tell her aunt, okay, some shit's about to go down because the dog just bit Elmira Gulch. And she's like, I'm trying to count. <laughs> yeah. Go away. I don't have time. Bless her heart. There are three farmhands that work on the Gale farm. Oh, yeah. We've got Hunk. Yes. Ray we, Bolger. We've got Hickory. Jack Haley. And we've got Zeke. Bert Lahr. <laughs> Indeed. I like them as farmhands. I do. I, I, I want to get to know those guys. They're trying to fix a wagon. She's trying to tell them. Okay, I can't tell them. So I have to tell you about the mess that's about to go down. They're the only ones who pay attention to her. Like, even a little bit. For real. And, like, they're just all like, listen, we got work to do. Your aunt and uncle are freaking out. Can't listen to your story right now. I love this because she one more time tries to get Aunt M's attention. And Aunt M just goes, listen. Aunt M is literally like, go. Be somewhere else. Be there. And just exist there. We've come to what has been considered and voted the greatest song of the 20th century. I mean, name a more recognizable tune. When you think of Judy Garland or The Wizard of Oz, you're thinking of this song. And this song almost was cut from the movie. Almost wasn't written. I know. I think it was Yip Harburg who said, you know, I was just having a hard time writing lyrics one day and I, I couldn't come up with anything. And I wasn't feeling very good. And so we went to the drugstore and it was raining outside. But then the rain stopped. And a rainbow came out and I was just sitting on in this car in front of this drugstore. And then I took out a piece of paper and I wrote what you know as Somewhere Over the Rainbow. It becomes history. It, Somewhere Over the Rainbow is it's Judy Garland's staple song. It was the last thing she ever performed before she died. Yeah. Oh, shit. I know. Oh, I hate it when you throw facts at me like that. She sang that song for 30 years. And I'm so glad that the younger generations get to have it in their lives. And you know, she never really, it, it wasn't like it was that song that everybody asked her to sing all the time where she was like, ugh, that again. She was always delighted to sing it. She really was. She loved it. She thought it was the best song ever written. It's it's done very solemnly. She's, she's I, I want to know what she's looking at. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because I feel like it's all in her eyes. Mm -hmm. And... And the cute little sequence with the dog where the dog hops up on the thing and she's kind of singing to Toto because no one else is listening. <laughs> Bless her. <laughs> and, you know, the thing is, you know, there's a reason why the symbol of queer movements is the rainbow. And it all comes back to this song. And the reason that queer pride is emblazed in the rainbow all comes down to that lyric. If people are happy over the rainbow... Why, oh, why can't I? Yeah. Why can't I be happy over the rainbow? Ross, I'm gonna fucking cry. If happy little bluebirds fly beyond the rainbow, why, oh, why can't I? After this beautiful, 
beautiful performance. Miss Almira Gulch is here to ruin the mood. <laughs> that theme. <laughs> It triggers my fight or flight. <laughs> am I going to fight the witch or am I stealing her broom and going? Like, I, I, I just hate Myra Gulch because like you said at the top, she owns half the town. She's a life ruiner. She showed up with a sheriff's order to have the dog put down. That dog's a menace to the community. I'm taking him to the sheriff and make sure he's destroyed. Destroyed? Toto? Oh, you can't. You mustn't. A menace to the community? He's a terrier! Like, oh, what, he nipped at you, honey? <laughs> oh, are you gonna go tell people at church about it now? Oh my god. Gonna make the gales more ostracized than they probably already are for being poor? I need to know what the fuck is wrong with Almira Gulch that she feels the need to destroy this teenager's life by <laughs> taking her dog. It's just evil. She's just a hollow person. I love that all of their personalities are reflected in both their real world characters and Oz characters. Like, yes. It's just evil. You wanna kill a little girl's dog because it nipped at you? God. Like, uh, what is. You're right. Had- you're right. What's the crisis, <laughs> <laughs> What's the crisis? What are you going through? What are you dealing with? Let's talk about that. So we all know how this goes. She puts Toto in the basket of her bicycle, and Toto hops out on the ride home. Yeah, comes back to Dorothy, and Dorothy's like, oh, God, you're fleeing from the law. Yeah. We have to run away. <laughs> oh, my God. And I'm like, it's just Ms. Gulch, but okay. She is a child, and the sheriff is obviously on her side. And she's tired of no one uh, listening to her, so we're uprooting. We pack a suitcase, and we're on the dusty trail. She is not a mile off of this farm before she <laughs> runs into the traveling wagon of one Mr. Professor Marvel. Who has been seen by the crowned heads of Europe, oh as it says on the side of his uh, wagon. He tells fortunes. And um, <laughs> he tries to bamboozle this girl out of her possessions. <laughs> he invites her inside, has her close her eyes to gaze into a crystal. He's on scamming her. He's going through her basket, her, seeing if she has any money. Her eyes are closed, and he's going through her basket. He can't find money, and he finds a picture of Dorothy and Aunt M in the basket. This is how mediums get away with shit. They, it is! They trick you until they can get the information and use it against you. Why, she's crying. Someone has hurt her. Someone has just about broken her heart. Me? Well, it's, uh, it's someone she loves very much. Someone she's been very kind to. Someone she's taken care of in sickness. I had the measles once, Mm. and she stayed right by me every minute. Uh He, like, makes up this shit about seeing Auntie M having a heart attack in the crystal. He tells her she's dying! And so she runs back to Auntie M, but as she's leaving Professor Marvel's, it's getting uh, getting a little windy outside, isn't it? (laughs) Guys, remember when we did Twister? Almost a year ago? (laughs) The Twister is back. And oh, in Twister, when they named the things Dorothy? Yes! <laughs> Here we are. It's full circle, folks. <laughs> Here we are again. These are really great effects. They built this tornado. It's a funnel of felt. Yeah. And the way they're able to move it across the back of the soundstage while all of this is being shot in the foreground. It looks like it's outside. <laughs> I know. I want to see the battery this fan was going on. <laughs> it's a Twister. It's a Twister. So 
this twister's coming closer and closer and closer. And so she's looking for everybody. Everyone's gone in the storm cellar. They can't hear her banging on the storm cellar door. She goes inside. A window blows open and knocks her out. Yeah, that's you, you've all seen it. She wakes up. The house is up inside the tornado now. The cyclone, pardon me. I love all of these people who are just so powerfully unaware that they've been sucked up into a storm. The still films floating by the window. <laughs> the lady knitting in her rocking chair. Oh, hi, did you get sucked up in this too? I love the guys in the boat. They're still rowing. They're still going. They're like, all right, we're going somewhere. I just don't know where. <laughs> and then the classic image of Miss Gulch riding her bike. Absolutely <laughs> terrifying. I got look at this. You got goosies. You got goosies just talking about. Oh my god. And so I love the shot of the house landing. Cause you know how they shot that? You do know how they shot that because you watched the same documentary I did. <laughs> yeah, so why don't you just go ahead and tell them? Guys, they painted the floor of the stage to look like the sky. And then they positioned a camera shooting directly down and dropped a toy farmhouse from the camera lens, and then they just reversed it. Anyways, um, we've landed with the, oh, I love it. She lands and that's all she does. <laughs> no more screaming, no more chaos, no more noise. I mean, the shot's too perfect. Like transitioning into the color of Oz, like just the opening of the door and the music immediately starts. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Dorothy is here in the land of Oz, not a hair out of place. She's just been through a traumatic experience. This is like a Ghibli moment. I know. Like, <laughs> like she... everything was chaos just now. Let's take a minute for some peaceful long shot. The Ma, the yeah. The Ma, yes. The first person she famously meets is Glinda the Good Witch, who comes down in a bubble. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Her sister was a witch, right? Yeah. And what was her sister? <laughs> a princess. The Wicked Witch of the East, bro. <laughs> Queen Billy Burke is here. <sighs> Carrie Ann is all about Glinda's costume. I, what I wouldn't give for that gown, I'd look fabulous in it. You also mentioned the crown more than once. Like, she, it's just so gorgeous. The munchkins call me because a new witch has just dropped a house on the Wicked Witch of the East. And there's the house, and here you are, and that's all that's left of the Wicked Witch of the East. <gasps> and so, what the munchkins want to know is, are you a good witch or a bad witch? Glinda is here because the munchkins called her about a new witch murdering the old one. <laughs> bring, bring, bring. Girl, can you get down here? Um, <laughs> We don't know if she's friendly or not. Um, A house just fell downtown and like we need, you're the police. <laughs> we, we need backup. <laughs> Come, we need the cops. And this is the beginning of the munchkin medley. I love, I love all the lyrics. Harburg does a great job. Come out, come out, wherever you are, and meet the young lady that fell from a star. I love it. Like, this is a literal storybook happening right now. And she just slowly introduces them to the munchkins. The munchkins are portrayed by this, uh... 
Can I say this? Listen, this, this they, is, at the time they were billed as the singer midgets. Yeah, but, but that, we don't like that word. They are little people. They are little people. A lot of these little people came over from Europe, and a lot of them were able to flee violence in Europe at the time. Aw. Like, I mean, I'm not going to give... Yeah, no, we're not going to give MGM that much credit, but like... But a lot of them used it as a way to stay in the United States and avoid the Second World War violence. <sighs> One of the first safe spaces. I wouldn't call it safe. <laughs> you're right, you're right. Because let me tell you, <laughs> I have no doubt that they were subjected to abuse and yeah. ridicule. And the other thing... This drove Carrie insane. Is that the little people who gave up their lives in Europe to come do this movie, got paid $50 a week for their work on this film. Do you want to guess how much money Terry the dog made every week? Oh, no. No, I don't. $125! (sighs) Okay. What the absolute fuck? So more than double what the little people made. Yeah, and I just, I can't, I can't. Dorothy becomes Munchkinland's new heroine. Yeah. She's going to become the new symbol of their resistance to the terrorism they face at the evil witches. Let the joyous news be spread, the wicked old witch at last is dead. These poor people. They're so liberated. I listened to this song all day on November 7th, 2020. I did too. I made a TikTok. <laughs> I made a TikTok with people dancing in the streets with this music underneath it. <laughs> Party gets crashed hardcore by the arrival of the Wicked Witch of the West, the infamous sister of the Wicked Witch of the East. She, the way the way she just bursts up out of the floor, <laughs> and everybody is screaming and ducking for cover. And she, the, her first shot, where she's looking from side to side, and she's like, "What? I heard some shit went down. <laughs> I heard family is dead." <laughs> I love how Margaret Hamilton is chartreuse in this version we watched. This version has been remastered for Jesus. (laughs) We can see every part of her smooth, smooth face. She's never been greener and she's never looked better. (laughs) Obviously, she's here to reclaim her dead sister's most powerful magical accessory, the ruby slippers. Yes, indeed. In my head, I have this headcanon where, honestly, the Wicked Witch of the East was like, girl, can I borrow your shoes? Yeah. Okay, but I better get them back. Oh, you'll get them back. You never return my things. And then she died with them on, and that's why we're here. And then your arch enemy gave them to a little girl. No, okay, all right. So obviously we all know the shot of the feet rolling away as she goes to get the slippers. Disturbing. Yes, very disturbing stuff. The ruby slippers, what have you done with them? Give them back to me or I'll... It's too late. There they are, and there they'll stay. Give me back my slippers. I'm the only one that knows how to use them. They're no use to you. Give them back to me. Give them back. Keep tight inside of them. Their magic must be very powerful, or she wouldn't want them so badly. You stay out of this, Glinda, or I'll fix you as well. Oh, rubbish. You have no power here. Be gone before somebody drops the house on you too. And this is where I would like to point out that Galinda the Good Witch, I'm using quotations, <laughs> caused all of this. All right. <laughs> 
Here we go. Listen, I get it. The objective was to keep the shoes out of the hands of the Wicked Witch of the West. She had options. She didn't have to put them on the feet of a child. (laughs) She absolutely 100% did not. But we all know that's how it shakes out. That's when the Wicked Witch vows to hunt Dorothy down and get her shoes back. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. Can we talk about her getting injured on this exit? So this shot you see where she turns around and, you know, what she does is she falls through the floor and then all the red smoke comes up and that's how she disappears. It's very quick. The floor drops out and she goes. Yeah. You know, also flames shoot up. Yeah. Um, one time <laughs> they did a shot where Maggie Hamilton got dropped through the stage and then she said, I felt something warm. I don't remember fire, but basically she had third degree burns on her hands and her face. And uh, a guy who just happened to be right there took her directly to a, a first aid station and started <laughs> cleaning all the green makeup off her face because there's copper. Oh, there's, no. There's copper in the green makeup. Oh, no. And if they didn't get it all off of her, it would have just gone on eating into her flesh. That's so insane to me. Love your techies, guys. They'll save your life sometime. For crying out loud. <laughs> Could we give a shit about people's safety? Not this, in 1939. We can't. This is not the last time this is going to come up. So obviously, this is the part where Glinda and the Munchkins tell her that in order to get home to Kansas, she has to go visit the Wizard of Oz. Who lives in Washington, D.C. No, no, no. Who lives in the Emerald City. Yes. In order to get there, she has to follow what? The Yellow Brick Road. Follow the Yellow Brick, follow the Yellow Brick, follow the Yellow Brick Road. Here's my question. Yeah. And I know you know what I'm going to say. Oh, yeah. Where's the red brick road go? Because there is red bricking. There's pink, ruby, red brick bricking in intertwining with the yellow brick road and i know you want to know where it goes and you know where i bet it goes where to socialism rather than (laughs) capitalism (laughs) okay guys i'm gonna give you a quick rundown on the political backdrop of this story i was gonna say that's a good a push joke (laughs) in 1950 whatever the hell this guy named littlefield he was a teacher he started making this gigantic allegory about the populist movement in the 1890s and the Wizard of Oz. I don't know why. Basically, you have a lot of prosperity in the North, a lot of poverty in the South. And what the poor farmers did is they wanted to add silver to the gold standard of currency. So they could make more money. And President William McKinley was not keen on that. McKinley being the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Oz. O-Z. Ounces. As in gold. Gold and silver. And William Jennings Bryan was the Democratic candidate through the 90s. William Jennings Bryan is seen as the cowardly lion who won't be progressive enough to push the popular agenda on William McKinley. So Dorothy, this poor little girl, has to follow the yellow brick road to the Emerald City of Prosperity, where all of her problems will be solved. Originally wearing silver shoes. Silver shoes, yes. The ruby slippers were originally silver. It's a whole thing. I I think it's mostly bullshit, but they actually taught us about this in school. Yeah. I took a class called Topics in History in high school, and when we were doing the Progressive Era, this is one of the biggest things we talked about. And I was like, this doesn't even seem factual, but okay, whatever. (laughs) 
anyway, moving on. We get to the cornfield where the scarecrow is just hanging out. And it's complete bullshit that this road splits off in four different directions. Follow the... I love her. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow... Now which way do we go? Pardon me. That way is a very nice way. Who said that? Don't be silly, Toto. Scarecrows don't talk. It's pleasant down that way, too. I love it when he goes, of course people do go both ways. (laughs) Indeed they do. (laughs) Yes, they do, Ray. Yes, they do. She frees the scarecrow from his nasty prison. And, you know, his great despair is that he doesn't think he's very bright. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. This is where I'm going to make this first point that all of our characters here, they all think they need something from the wizard. Not a one of them needed anything from the wizard, okay? You might say they had it the whole time. Yeah, for The power, <laughs> they might have had the power the whole time. Yeah, but I think we think of it less with the scarecrow, the tin man, and the cowardly lion. I know, like, I know. He doesn't want a brain. He has a brain. He's not dumb. Exactly. And so, like, we go into, of course, Ray Bolger's famous performance of If I Only Had a Brain. Which was cut for time. For real. Like, they had so many more intricate parts of this performance. We're going to have to drop that documentary because <laughs> you get to see it. But basically, it, it, he just really charms the shit out of Dorothy. She's like, you are are wonderful. Would you like to come with me to ask for a brain? Yeah. And of course he's going to come with her. She's like, I'm already in a big enough struggle. I might as well help some people along the way. (laughs) Come along. I won't be any trouble because I don't need a thing. And I won't try to manage things because I can't think. Won't you take me with you? Why, of course I will. Oh, the earnestness. The friendship. I cannot. He, she, I mean, he's the first, other than Glinda and the Munchkins. He's the first positive presence yeah. that she's met. And so... <laughs> All right, we have entered a, a woodland area. We're in an orchard. And um, basically, we're, we're hungry. We've been walking a while. So we're going to pick some apples. We meet a pair of our bolus assholuses. <laughs> These are whopping willows. Who are really upset that they're picking apples off of them. S- I get it. Someone just zipped up in these tree puppets. <laughs> and here's the thing. Here's my point about the scarecrow not being dumb. They're off away from the trees, and he starts making faces at them. Oh, show me how to get apples. Like, he's smart. Like, and it totally works. He's street smart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's road smart. He's got that yellow brick road savoir faire. <laughs> and, you know, she goes chasing apples because they start pelting apples. And she comes across this tin man. <laughs> Holding an axe. In the middle of chopping wood, he's rusted. He's been out here for over a year. He got frozen to rain trying to chop wood. And Dorothy and the Scarecrow are the first two people to come along who try to help him. And he's like, I've been like this for a year. And they're like, pitch a year? (laughs) And of course, this takes us into his dilemma of not having a heart. (laughs) 
When a man's an empty kettle, he should be on his metal, and yet I'm torn apart. Just because I'm presuming that I could be kind of human if I only had a heart. He just, he takes us into his little bit, if I only had a heart. Like, listen, if I had to pick a favorite song that wasn't over the rainbow, because that's obvious, it's the best song in the score, but... If I Only Had a Heart is a close second for me. Exactly. Because he's just so friggin' cute throughout the whole thing. It's like the three, it's like the the lion, the tin man, and the scarecrow make up the triple threat. The great dancer, the great singer, and... The great actor. Yes, yes. <laughs> and like I, like I said, I kind of prefer his dance to Ray's. It's the toot toot that gets me. Yes, it, indeed. <laughs> So we dance around with the Tin Man for a little bit. And um, I think this is the point where you want to talk about the myth of the hanging munchkin. I don't know when this story got started. I think it might have been in the late 80s, early 90s. I don't know. There's this myth about this munchkin who was so distraught at not being offered a particular role in the film. Trigger warning. That he hung himself on set and that you can see it in the released cut of the movie. Which is just Patently absurd. Let me just say, no, you cannot. (laughs) We watched a remastered for Jesus version of this. Like, they have scrubbed every frame, and maybe in older versions of this, you could think that there might be something swinging around in the background. In the remastered version, it is quite obviously a crane. It's a crown crane. Because there are just birds walking around this set. Like, these beautiful cranes that are in the background of the Tin Man. And what you're seeing as they're... It's in that last bit as they're fading out that you can supposedly see this hanging munchkin. No. It is a crane's wing swinging out and coming back. That's all it is. That's all it is. It's just the shadow of the crane's wing going out and coming back. Like, would the internet please calm down? (laughs) So now we're on our way to get a home, a brain, and a heart. And now we're in the forest. Uh, It's getting spooky. It's getting dark. Lions live on the plains. That's all I'm saying. Okay. (laughs) And this is hardly a jungle, am I right? (laughs) Yeah, for real. The king of the jungle, my eye. (laughs) Like we're just in this Norse folklore woods. We're not in the jungle. But this is the famous bit, right? Yes. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. This costume is 90 pounds. Oh my god, I can't even imagine being Burt Lar, who's already a high-energy performer, and having to do all of this movement in this costume. It it must be so hot! Jack and Ray said Burt was the worst about his costume. (laughs) That he'd constantly be complaining. The biggest baby. He'd constantly have gas and you can't really, like, you can't take it off to (laughs) fart or anything. Like, (laughs) those are things you just don't think about. And, like, the lights and all of their makeup, really. Yeah, I just, I would feel like I'd be melting. And, um, basically, he's trying to, uh, intimidate them. Yeah, he's trying to throw his weight around, be all king of the jungle and everything. And the fact 
that this 14-year-old child smacks him on the snoot, and that's all it takes. Because he goes chasing after Toto. Shame on you. What did you do that for? I didn't buy them. No, but you tried to. It's bad enough picking on a straw man, but when you go around picking on poor little dogs... Well, you didn't have to go and hit me, did you? Is my nose bleeding? Well, of course not. (laughs) Just the... Shame on you! (laughs) He immediately starts crying. He's blubbering. He's like, oh, that's the end of my performance. And she she lays down the law. She says, hey, uh-uh, I come from a world where this happens. We're not picking on the little guy just because, okay? Yeah, because that's what cowardly bullies do, right? Yeah, and he's like, well, you didn't have to choose violence, did you? <laughs> <laughs> and this takes us into If I Only Had the Noive. Yes. I love that it's noive and, <laughs> and not, not courage. courage. Courage doesn't rhyme with many things. <laughs> if I only had the courage. <laughs> Yeah, no, that would be a very different song. I'm afraid there's no denying I'm just a dandelion A fate I don't deserve I'd be brave as a blizzard I'd be gentle as a lizard I'd be clever as a gizzard If the wizard is a wizard who will serve So obviously we know how this shakes out. He joins them on their journey. We're going to the Emerald City to ask the wizard for some courage as well. Exactly. They're racking up quite the wish list here. Indeed. (laughs) They are going and asking for a lot of things. (laughs) On my Amazon wish list this year, we're doing a heart, uh, a brain, courage, and a trip to Kansas. (laughs) (laughs) We finally arrive at the gates of Emerald City, and I I, I have in all capital letters, because you shouted this, you went, gatekeeping! Gatekeeping, indeed. Who rang that bell? (laughs) Who rang that bell? We We did. did. Can't you read? Read what? The notice! What What notice? It's on the door, as plain as the nose on my face. It's the... Oh, oh, oh. Bell out of order. Please knock. All I'm saying is that the bell is out of order. Why did it ring the first time? Because this is the government. (laughs) These are arbitrary rules that mean nothing. Lane closed. Uh, You can't go this way. It is made by those who are dead. (laughs) The way is shut. It's made by those who are dead. (laughs) This is another one of Frank Morgan's characters, by the way. Yeah. He's like three of our Ozites in this scene. Exactly. And so, obviously, they get in by dropping Glinda the Good Witch's name. Exactly. You know, and and flashing them ruby slippers. And, okay, so we go into Oz. The gates open up. First of all, the mood is emerald. I mean, yeah. Everything's green. Everything's green. (laughs) In the Emerald City. One short day. In In the the Emerald City. City. No, we can't do this. (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) Anyway, I love how everyone just turns and looks at them as they come in. It's like, (laughs) you're here now. You've made it. (laughs) One of us. (laughs) And yes, the cabbie does come up with the uh, fun-looking horse. The horse of a different color. I need to tell you this, folks, because I was a little worried about the horses. I was like, did they dye those horses? Yeah, you were like, did we subject them to abuse to get them different colors? But the ASPCA would not let it happen. <laughs> they were like, no, ma'am, you will not be dyeing these horses. So, so what is it, Carrie? Lay it on me. It's jello powder. <laughs> That's why they're kind of blotchy, right? Yeah. Because the horses keep licking the jello powder <laughs> off of them. 
I just love it. I was like, oh, please tell me these animals didn't get abused. And we're, we're thinking of animal abuse in the whole time. Jolly good time! Ha ha ha! And a couple of tra la That's how we laugh a day away in the merry old land of Land of Oz medley. Yeah, no, um, everyone is happy to be alive in the Emerald City. Well, it seems rather prosperous in the Emerald City. There's no terrorism going on in the outer counties. There is no war in Bossing City. That is very much the vibe in Emerald City. And like the the the, the quad, the quad squad, yeah. is enjoying every bit of hospitality that the Emerald City has to offer. This is hardly a city. This is it's like they're at the mall. <laughs> Dorothy getting her hair and her nails did. Tin Man's getting a polish. Yeah, getting and a the scare- massage. And the scarecrow's getting stuffed with new straw. <laughs> you ever get stuffed at the mall? Ew. Sorry. <laughs> Why'd you have to make that foul? And they're trimming the lion up to look real cute and Put- pretty. Putting the ribbons in his hair. <laughs> Uh, I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, y'all know what comes next. The Wicked Witch of the West shows up to ruin the mood once again. Like, she's just always dropping in and ruining everybody's good time. (laughs) She writes in the sky, Surrender Dorothy. Who's her? Who's her? It's the witch. She's followed us here. Surrender Dorothy. Dorothy? Who's Dorothy? The wizard will explain it. The wizard. The wizard. Actually, a very cool effect. This is done with ink in a hypodermic needle in the bottom of a glass of water. Isn't that amazing? I know. Isn't that just great? With the little witch puppet traced around it? Yes. <laughs> Do you want to tell them about the trailer we watched when we rented this? <laughs> okay. It was like a 70th anniversary special trailer. And for the Blu-ray edition, it cuts to that shot. The writing in the sky says, buy the Blu-ray, Dorothy. <laughs> I ugly laugh. Oh my god. Relentless. So obviously the squad quad knows that it's it's time to get in gear. It's time to go see the wizard. We approach the gate. The very gate of the wizard. Because they've seen the writing in the sky and all the people don't know what to do. Are the, Is there no law enforcement? Is there no air traffic control in the Emerald City? <laughs> air traffic control. So they're like, oh, the wizard will explain it. <laughs> so they all run to the wizard's gates and the guard man... Played by Frank Morgan. Again. Who's playing our third character so far, the doorman, the cabbie, and now the guard. This is the one, this is the one where he looks like a Q-tip. He looks like a Mike Boom. <laughs> and, and you guys know the routine. Nobody sees a wizard, not nobody, not know how. Don't cry, Dorothy. We're going to get you to the wizard. We certainly are. Daddy, I was so good to me. And I never appreciated it. Running away and hurting her feelings. Professor Marvel said she was sick. She may be dying. It's all my fault. And then, of course, Judy Garland starts crying, and that's enough to make the doorman... They are running water through his hat. (laughs) When it cuts to him crying over Dorothy crying... Yes. Like... (laughs) It does yank at you a little bit. I mean, I just... Every time she cries in this movie, I have to fight back tears. I know. I know. You feel it so intensely. Oh, my God. Uh... (laughs) Please don't cry anymore. I'll get you into the wizard somehow. Come on. I had an answer myself once. (laughs) 
<laughs> he had an Aunt Emily? <laughs> anyway, so they go in. We begin our long, slow, ominous walk down to the wizard's chamber. I love how the lion loses his nerve like right before he's they like, get there. He's like, no, I don't want it this bad. <laughs> I can go back to the forest and be a coward. That's fine. <laughs> okay, where's the king, hunty? Where's the king we were just hearing about? See, that's anxiety that he's experiencing. Indeed. That's, not, I mean, like, anxiety and fear go hand in hand, but I think there's a huge line between being a coward and being anxious. I'm constantly avoiding important appointments because of my anxiety. <laughs> So we get to the wizard, who is terrifying, by the way. Oh, yeah. The, here, here he is. The <laughs> iconic image of that alien-like face being projected onto that organ or whatever the fuck it is. I love all of his dialogue. Oh, I mean, yeah. And talk about alliteration. The great and powerful Oz knows why you have come. Step forward, Tin Man. Come to me for a heart, do you? You clinking, clanking, clattering collection of collisionous junk. I love that. Oh my god. And then when the lion steps up, he goes, she goes, well, and then he passes out. I love it. I love it. Because Dorothy's like, hey. She goes, hey, you shut up. And then he goes, no, you shut up. The wizard tells them that he will grant all of their requests. If they do him a small favor first. Hey, just go all the way back across Oz and get the broomstick of the Witch of the West. (laughs) Then I'll know you're serious. (laughs) Okay, we're spooky again. Yeah, can we talk about the forest outside the Witch's Castle? All the noises? Yeah, no, um, I don't know how they recorded some of these noises, but like... It's... Yeah, it's too much. It reminds me of the forest from Dark Crystal. For real. Just like at night. Yeah. With all the fun noises. The quad squad has armed themselves. Okay. Let's talk about the weapons they've got on them. The lion has acquired a gigantic butterfly net that I guess we're going to, I don't know, net the witch with. And he's got under his arm what I've always believed to be a big hammer. But it's actually a can of witch repellent. It says in big red letters on the side, (laughs) witch repellent. And what's our favorite, Roz? Scarecrow has a gun. (laughs) Scarecrow has a revolver. Where did he get a gun? We don't need the butterfly net. Just shoot her. (laughs) I guess there's no three-day waiting period in Oz. When you pointed that out, I was like, oh, my God. Why am I never intellectualized before that he has a firearm? Where did we get the gun? Did we buy it on the way out of the Emerald City? Did we get it in Munchkin Land on our way back through? No background check, no waiting period. (laughs) They said this weapon will not be traced. God. Anyway, what ends up just happening is that Dorothy gets took. Dorothy gets tooken by the flying monkeys. Can you tell the story real quick about Lorna Luft? Judy Garland's daughter. Obviously, you know Liza Minnelli is uh, Judy Garland's daughter, but she has a sister named Lorna Luft. Lorna Luft has been with us on the show before. She was here with us as Paulette Revchuk when we covered Grease 2. 
<laughs> way, way back in the day. And um, Lorna Luft saw this for her first time as like a six-year-old, this movie. And, you know, it's your mom as a teenager on, you know, on screen. You know, like, you know it's your mom, but you don't know it's your mom. But wasn't she being babysat by somebody? Yeah, she, Judy Garland was at a concert in New York and she was in L.A. When this scene came on, Lorna became inconsolably upset. And I was, comp- I was a wreck. And she called on the phone to see how we liked it. And she got two screaming children. And she said, no, I'm in New York. And I remember saying, the monkeys took you to New York. She said, no, 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 no. No, I'm in New York. I said, but the witch and the monkey. And Judy's like, I'll never let you watch that movie without me again. That's so cute. Anyway. So the witch has Dorothy back in her castle. This is a big sad sequence here. I'm filled with dread throughout this entire scene sequence. I know. So the witch tries to take the shoes off of Dorothy's feet, but that can't happen because Dorothy is still alive. Shocks her hands. I know. Ruins her manicure. (laughs) Remember when you said you wanted that hourglass? Mm -hmm. She goes to this big great hourglass filled with red sand, turns it over and goes... How much longer you got to be alive? And it isn't long, my pretty. It isn't long. I can't wait forever to get those shoes. I love it when she goes, I can't wait forever to get those shoes. I can't handle it. Like, listen, Alphaba, quit being addicted children. For real. (laughs) This thing with the crystal ball is just fucking cruel. Yeah, because like, Guess who pops up in the crystal ball? Because she's crying. She's going, I'm frightened. I'm frightened, Annie M. I'm frightened. And I believe you, honey. Oh, my God. I can't even talk about it the way she's crying. And then Annie M pops up in the crystal ball. It's me. It's Annie M. We're trying to find you. Where are you? I'm here in Oz, Annie M. I'm locked up in the witch's castle. And I'm trying to get home to you, Annie M. And then it just transitions to her laughing. The, the, it transitions to the witch just mocking her. Oh my god! And she's she's so Ross. She's so scared. Do you see me almost tearing up? Over I know. Here? It's the vamp with the shot of the uh, hourglass for me. The I hate that. I hate that chord. It fills me with dread. <laughs> anyway. Oh, my God. Okay. Meanwhile, the, the monkeys kind of tore everybody apart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Tin Man, the Scarecrow, and the Lion, they're all, they ain't worth shit. You're like, the Scarecrow's literally in several different pieces. They have to put him back together, and then, the, you know, they, they approach the castle. This is the longest changing of the guard I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it does go on for a bit, doesn't it? And the way... The way the lion's psyching himself up. He's like, all right, we're going to go in there and we're going to get our girl. That's courage. Yes. I'll go in there for Dorothy. Wicked witch, oh, no wicked witch. Gods and no gods, I'll tear them apart. I may not come out alive, but I'm going in there. There's only one thing I want you fellas to do. What's What's that? that? Talk me out of it. 
And he goes and does it anyway. That's the definition of courage. <laughs> he doesn't need no validation from this stupid wizard, okay? None of them do. Through some uh, shenanigans, we are able to uh, get into guard garb. <laughs> and uh, we sneak in at the last second before the drawbridge comes up on the castle. Toto leads them to where Dorothy is locked up. And I love the shot of Toto running up to the door and pawing at the bottom of the door. He does it for five seconds. And as soon as they come up behind him, he just walks off shot. He, he goes, okay, I did what my trainer trained me to do. <laughs> where's my treat? Yeah, where's my treat? Where's my $125 a week? I pawed at the door. I know there's no one there. And so they, like, here's Johnny it through the door. Yeah, the tin man chops the door down. <laughs> and they get her out. And, of course, the witch is like, haha, you stupid bitches trying to get away from me. And, like, they run. But this is not a huge castle. No. And it is not very intricately designed. It does not take Stonewall Jackson to find these guys. <laughs> she literally splits them up. Half of you go this way. Half of you go that way. <laughs> no, we'll corner them, literally. <laughs> And they get cornered in this one place, this one tower on the side. And literally the witch comes in and is like, all right, you're cornered. The jig is up. This is my favorite moment of hers in the movie. Ring around the rosy, a pocket full of spears. Thought you'd be pretty foxy, didn't you? <laughs> and she's like, okay, I'm going to kill all of you now. She takes her broom and puts it in a lamp, puts it in a torch, lights the scarecrow on fire, and Deus Ace bucket of water. How about a little fire, scarecrow? You cursed rat! Look what you've done! I'm melting! Melting! Oh, what a world! I'm glad this bucket of water is just sitting there. <laughs> Dorothy throws it to put out the scarecrow, but I think maybe unintentionally hits the witch with the water. <laughs> and then you'd think the world was ending. I know. A little dramatic, don't you think, Elphaba? <laughs> don't you think? Water, necessary for beings to live. <laughs> is killing her. I'm going to look up where L. Frank Baum is buried, dig him up, and interrogate his corpse about why water <laughs> is like acid to this witch. Why was this the answer? Has she never been caught out in the rain on her broomstick? Probably not. Make it make sense. <laughs> you know, it's like, is the weather right for evil today? <laughs> I need a clear day. I can't do, I can't do, I can't go and do terrorism if it's muggy out. Where's that damn umbrella? <laughs> never around when I need it. And so, uh, yeah, she's dead. She's just gone. And I love how the guards immediately turn around. They go, oh, my God, she's dead. She's dead. You killed her. I didn't mean to kill her. Really, I didn't. It's it's just that he was on fire. Hail to Dorothy. The Wicked Witch is dead. Hail! Hail to Dorothy. The Wicked Witch is dead. And the way they go, no, fucking no, you're fine. Thank you. Like, the corporate culture there must have been awful. <laughs> I would have been the guards in the back turning to each other, literally going, like, it was water? <laughs> That's it? We could have just thrown water at the bitch and our suffering would have been over. Anyway, we're back with the wizard. Guess what? The it's not still not good enough. <laughs> the wonderful wizard of Oz doesn't want to deliver on his promise. Go away and come back tomorrow. <laughs> what is this, the government? Yes, this is what the government tells you. Lane closed, can't help you right now. You filled out form 1031A. And it when... got sent to where and who and how. <laughs> and I love how this whole grand illusion comes tumbling down as the result of a curious dog. When Toto exposes the capitalist fraud, <laughs> he 
goes over there, pulls on that curtain. Oh. The great Oz has spoken. Oh. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. The great Oz has spoken. Who are you? Oh, I, I, I am the great and powerful Wizard of Oz. I don't think it makes a lot of sense that however long he's been here, that he has been able to keep up this charade with just a bunch of smoke and mirrors. In the books, in the stories, it's more like he's the only other human being that's entered the realm of Oz before. Yeah, I know. Because his whole thing is he was in the circus and he he had a hot air balloon act. And one day in Nebraska, he was swept away by a twister in his hot air balloon and landed in Oz. And I I mean, come on, how many movies have you seen where a white man falls out of the sky and And the locals take to him immediately? As a deity. Like, for real, (laughs) I hardly think I'm qualified (laughs) to come across all sanctified. But, But like, they gave him power. They gave him immense power. And isn't that the truth? That the government only has as much power as we give them. Exactly. (laughs) And I mean, that's how the Munchkins felt about Dorothy when she fell out of the sky. Yeah. They were going to give her immense power. (laughs) But she's like, no, I'm just a kid from Kansas and I want to go home. (laughs) She's like, no, I just took a wrong turn on the way to church. I can't. I need to get back. But he's been keeping these people under this grand illusion that he is the all-powerful and mighty Wizard of Oz who can solve all of your problems. But he is just another white man. (laughs) For real! (laughs) He's a circus act. He's a clown. He's a scam artist. Sound familiar? (laughs) (laughs) And he's the ruler of Oz! You're killing me over here. Anyway. (laughs) I can't breathe. And so, in order to quell them, he goes and gets his bag of tricks, just like Professor Marvel. For real. And he, you know, he gives... The scarecrow a diploma. There's your brains. There's your education. He gives the Tin Man a heart on a chain, like on a daisy chain. Yeah, in that because and it ticks. It ticks in everything. Something for him to listen to inside now. And he gives the lion a medal of valor. Therefore, for meritorious conduct, extraordinary valor, conspicuous bravery against wicked witches, I award you the triple cross. You are now a member of the Legion of Courage. Shucks, folks, I'm speechless. This whole part of the movie, I was just like, this is stupid. Yeah, he's distracting them. He's distracting them from outing him. He's bribing them! He's bribing them to not spill the tea on his fakeness. And I want to scream at all of them, you literally did not need his validation! And so... You had all of those things all along! So he's decided, okay, I've been exposed. It's time to make a dip. (laughs) Yeah, there is nothing selfless about his offer to take Dorothy back to Kansas. He's trying to get out of Oz, because he's been found out! (laughs) The jig is up! He's leaving forever, and he's like, oh, I'll be back, like Jesus. He's like... (laughs) He's like Jesus Christ. He's like, oh, I'm coming back. Wink, wink. <laughs> 2,000 years later. Like that Catherine Hahn gif of the winking. I think Oz has iPhones by now. <laughs> 
I think that's how long it's been since the wizard said he was going to come back. Oh, God. And so, of course, the dog fucks it up. Oh, my God. Yeah, Dorothy and the wizard are in the basket of the hot air balloon, the same one he flew in here on. Yeah. And Toto jumps out of the basket, and she goes running after him. And for reasons that are not clear... The ropes are let go, and the basket just continues to drift. Come back! Come back! Someone help me! Please come back! I can't come back! I don't know how it works! Goodbye, folks! He's just like, I can't do anything about it, folks! Bye bye I can't come back! I don't know how it works! Well, you don't? (laughs) You don't know how it works! How did you get here? And uh, then there's just despair. Oh, God. No, I'll never get home. Probably not, sweetheart. Not at this rate. More crying. And the way the film is now just like, okay, deus es bubble. (laughs) And then here comes Glenda in her bubble like, oh, you bitches are in a bind. Oh, here I am. I had a couple of minutes between my facial and my pedicure. So I'm here. Just back from getting my asshole bleached. (laughs) Here Here at the mall we call Emerald City. (laughs) <laughs> and like, guys, this is just the part where I get even more mad because she's here to With tell- her evil, terrible, horrible Dumbledore lies. Yes! Oh, will you help me? Can you help me? You don't need to be helped any longer. You've always had the power to go back to Kansas. I have. Then why didn't you tell her before? Because she wouldn't have believed me. She had to learn it for herself. And it's at that moment that I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> Isn't this a Family Guy bit or something? It's a Mad TV bit where they all get settled. And when Glinda goes, you've always had the power to return to Kansas. And the chick playing Dorothy goes, excuse me? (laughs) All you have to do is click your heels and you would have been home in two seconds. (laughs) Tin Man goes, why didn't you tell her before? Because she wouldn't have believed me. And then Dorothy goes, are you out of your fucking mind? You came down in a bubble. I would have believed anything you said. <laughs> I can't. And oh my god. Yeah, basically she's like, "Listen, you've had it with you've had it in you all along." She just needed to believe in herself. I mean, but that's been the theme with all four of them, right? They have all been the things they were doubting in themselves. Yeah, they never needed no validation from no wizard. Dorothy didn't think she had a home. Scarecrow didn't think he was smart. Tin Man didn't think he had a heart, and the, the lion didn't believe he was brave. Yeah, exactly. And they've all ex- they've all been exemplary in their display of that throughout the entire narrative. And so it's kind of like a middle finger when the witch when Glinda comes back and is like, "Listen, guys, you had all the answers the whole time. Don't blame me because you went and got lost in Oz." So yeah, she gets to clicking. There's no place like home. I had a wand when we were kids that when you press the button, it would play that sound bite. Tap your heels together three times and you wore that motherfucker out. You got it to the point where the sound bite wouldn't play correctly. Me? It, yes. Are you talking about me? Yes, I am talking about oh, you. Oh, did I play with your toy until it didn't work anymore? Yes, you did. Like, the audio was all slowed down and distorted. Uh-oh. Tap your heels. I'm sorry. Three times. No, it's okay. By the time that happened, I had grown out of it. And what do you know? She ends up at home in bed. 
because in another middle finger move, this has all just been a dream. The way she's just like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, thank God. They thought she was dead. And they were like, we thought, and the Uncle Henry's like, we thought you were going to leave us there for a minute, kid. And everybody's here. Honk, Hickory, and Zeke are here. Yeah. Professor Marvel shows up at the window for no goddamn reason. Like leaning inside the window to make sure she's okay. How does he know where she lived? I don't know. Because he's magic, right? Yeah. (laughs) So this whole end sequence is basically her just going, you know, you're home. You're here. Pointing to her chest. (laughs) She's like, you're fine. She's like, I'm here. And this is my room. And I am not in goddamn Oz anymore. (laughs) Like, I'm so glad that nightmare is over. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so glad. Basically, this scene should be called, I'm so glad I'm awake. (laughs) But anyway, Toto, we're home. Home. And this is my room, and you're all here, and I'm not going to leave here ever, ever again, because I love you all, and, oh, Annie M, there's no place like home. I feel like this story is a lot about you know, wondering the reasons why we're unsatisfied. Yeah. And what the world is either putting on us to make us dissatisfied or what we're putting on ourselves that make us dissatisfied. What am I worth? Why don't I deserve to be happy like everybody else? Why, oh, why can't I? Why, oh, why can't I? And I feel like that feeling is never, you know, more prevalent than in disenfranchised groups. Absolutely. Such as LGBT. She was a figure that they carried with them in 1970 when we begin to don the rainbow flag. It's that idea of, okay, if they're not going to let us go over the rainbow individually, we're going to go over together. Yeah. And in our own way, and we're going to have our own space to do it. Our chosen family. Yes, 100%. It all comes back to that one song, and it all comes back to this one story. What am I worth? How am I going to be happy? Why don't I deserve to also be as happy as you? Why, oh, why can't I? Why, oh, why can't I? And it's it's a beautiful story. It will never fade. It will live longer than we will. I don't even have words to describe the timelessness of this whole project. The things that make it magical, the music, the practical effect, the times it was made in, the innovations and the progress that this film contributed to not only the entertainment industry, but to so many people's hearts and all of its different reincarnations. Wicked. The Wiz. The Wiz is great. See, it touches so many different disenfranchised walks of life. I feel like it's a holy thing for a lot of people, The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, a sacred thing. It's just such a kindly philosophy. We're going to try and get over the rainbow together. We're going to get there. That's really savvy, but that's what this film fills me with. Yeah. And I've always had it and will always have it. And I'm so happy about it.
Oh my God, guys, we did the, one of the greatest films of all time. <laughs> I feel like I have a runner's high right now. Right, like, right. Don't oh you feel my God. Good? Yes. <sighs> all right, guys, like we said, welcome. Happy Pride Month to all in the Alphabet Mafia. Also, Black Lives Matter, trans lives matter, queer lives matter. They're important to our continued existence. I know. Uh, the, the queer liberation was started by trans women of color. For real. Never forget that. Respect your elders, know your history. All right, guys. Next week, we're going to have a great we're gonna have a great topic coming from you. It's fun because neither Carrie Ann or I have seen our next selection. You've never seen this? No. Oh my god, the way you talk about it, you would think you had. I really want to see it though. Oh my god, okay, we'll tell them. I can't wait. Guys, next week we will be covering the 2017 historical drama, The Favorite. I guess this is some gay shit? It's about Queen Anne and her female lovers. Uh Oh yes! Queen Anne of Great Britain, The Last Stuart. Um, in the meantime, folks, go follow us on Twitter at KickNStream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, practice the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet. Guys, we want everyone here to join our little watch party. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, sorry Mom. Mom. Gothic news, gothic news, gothic news.